Welcome to the All Things Data Podcast, AMA edition. That's right. It's time to ask us some things. <laughs> so over the over the weeks and months, you know, we've been doing this. We we always get some DMs and um, questions throughout, and you know, just even through our everyday lives, we get these questions. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, we've been compiling them. So we're going to go through a couple of them today, and then you know, every so often we'll have uh, an AMA. Once that list blows up, we'll uh, we'll start answering. So why don't we get started? Okay. Yeah, let's let's get going. Okay, so let's start at the top. I didn't. I kept these anonymous because you know, I mean, I, you hear it on podcasts sometimes. It's like Axel Twenty Seven asks <laughs> <laughs> our Patreon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I guess yeah. Our first question was, what value does AIML bring to an organization? That's real tough, isn't it? I think so. That's that is yeah. a tough one. All right, so uh, I'll take a stab. Uh, in the early, early days of, uh, and I'm going to say to me that AI comprises all of uh, inference and classification. So whether it's you know shallow machine learning or it's you know done on a non-standard medium, it doesn't matter. It's still some form of AI. Uh, so early on, uh, it was sort of secret sauce, and you didn't tell people about it. Uh, I remember we would create a bunch of machine learning models um, and, you know, APIs that com uh, consume machine learning uh, models also so that we would do stuff, uh, you know, like Amazon sells you the uh, spot instances and GCP sells you their flexible or whatever they're called instances. That's right. And we would, we would basically go to those markets and look at historical data and figure out uh, which instances were cheapest for us to consume and we had a likelihood of being able to retain for at least the hour so that we weren't paying for i mean back in the day aws was not minutely it was hourly uh, oh yeah i forgot about that. yeah so we would game the whole system and what it did is uh it made my aws bill go from i think we were paying over twenty-five thousand a month before we did that and when I saw it the next month, well, I mean, I was tracking it all month, but when I saw it the next month, we had dropped down to less than 5,000 bucks. So we had some instances like our big uh, SQL instances. Uh, we weren't using RDS. They had to stay big uh, and they couldn't be ephemeral, but everything else worked ephemeral. So we had big wins, but we were real quiet about that. Like internally, we were like, hurrah, we're amazing. But externally, we wouldn't tell Yeah, don't tell that. people our AWS yeah. is going to... Exactly. It was a nice little secret sauce. You know, we're paying less than people who reserve for three years kind of thing. Yeah, it, uh, it's not something that we obviously shared with AWS, uh, although they ended up uh, doing a version of that and telling you historical after, because I'm sure we weren't the only smart people to do this, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I talked about it with some of the Netflix staff because we were very close to them as well at the time. Uh, and they were just like, oh, that's amazing. We're going to do the same thing. So maybe they just caught wind of it after because Netflix all of a sudden probably had their stuff drop. And then they may have included it. And they were like, well, AWS sees all of Netflix's code because most of it is open source, the DevOps right. stuff. Right. So they just kind of said, okay, well, if it's going to be open source, let's just, uh, let's instead make this available to everybody. So yeah, uh, so you were quite secretive about the fact that you had some machine learning and you had some secret sauce and very few people knew how to do anything with machine learning uh, unless they were taught by somebody who was doing it already, right? Right. Then several years later, 
uh, after ImageNet really showed that neural networks kick ass, um, you saw that everybody had this massive freaking plunge into the deep end, uh, trying to deploy neural nets everywhere and be the first to have AI on stuff. So you ended up a lot with, uh, you know, like Ice T that was powered by AI, and that company got a boost. Stupid shit happened all over. <laughs> yeah, and everybody yeah. now is saying we all have, we all have like crazy value because we know AI, we do AI, and then uh, in came like this huge swath of PhDs into every company, uh, all very well paid, and almost none of them delivering anything super awesome, right? Uh, nowadays it's part of your holistic strategy. Uh, it could be a large moat around your business if you have the right models and the right uh, IP protection, but it's not the only hammer to you know bash the nail in. There are other hammers and very often like a really stupid heuristic, if it's going to save you a whole bunch of time and you can deploy it today rather than wait six weeks to create a model is probably going to be a good thing for you to do. And it's yeah. not that you should think AI first all the way, but it is very often something that you should have in the back of your mind. Like, can we build a really stupid version of this? And I don't really mean stupid, but like, you know, like a, a normal version, a heuristic version of this and get to a place where we then look to replace it with a neural network later, if that's the thing that you want to do. Right. Neural net first is always like really expensive and usually pretty hard to implement. And like just having the people to do it is hard. That's so right. like there's so many things going against going deep learning right away. A hundred percent. What's your feeling on the value that AI brings? To I mean, I think value from a value standpoint, it, I think it's just, it has to do with a lot of automation, task automation. I mean, mm -hmm. that's where people are seeing it now. I feel that that's, you know, the hot topic, but everyone's kind of skipping over that or, you know, glossing over it and trying to get into some sort of like crazy, I don't know, predictive power, et cetera. You know, mm -hmm. like just things that are so obscure. Yeah. And I think it's debilitating too, right? So you know, uh, this kind of bleeds into another question, but, you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of finish there is, it's just that the, you're always looking at time savings, you know, people and like augmentation in my mind, where you're just like, Hey, if it took me hours to do this task and I can do it in minutes now that that's super helpful. So I think, you know, the, the value is really in some sort of task automation like at the super meta level right like whether that's right. fraud detection you know you take i don't know why i keep going back to fraud detection but it's like you know things that were that could take like months for people to investigate could be done in seconds right so yeah. you're, you're kind of automating that right or like um you know ivrs or things that um you know these prediction engines and stuff like you could never get that in real time because you would have someone in the background kind of calculating it out and then they'd give you the the result a day later you know so it's like yeah the speed of you know what what things couldn't be in real time can be done in real time and then things that just couldn't be done before but i think staying out of that space where it's like oh my god what are all the things we couldn't do before and just sitting there and trying to figure that out it's like you know i think you got to pick and choose your battles um mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's, that's hard, right? Like if you've never yeah. done it before, right? That That's just, it's out of your purview, right? So I think hiring the right people and kind of going around 
figuring out what to do is, is a, is a large task on its own. So, you know, the value piece is, I would say, just go back to, you know, time savings, cost savings type of things at the meta level. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the second question kind of goes into this where it's, it says, um, I'm the CEO of a company. We need an AR strategy. Our competitors are purporting to be AI driven. Where should I start? <laughs> um, I like that one because it's anonymous. Like we don't need to tell you who it is. I don't know if it's like they're a fairly good sized company. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, they have money. They are profitable, but they're in a pretty crowded space. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I pretty much know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of pieces to that, right? And yeah. I think, you know, bringing AI and ML to an organization, I think it kind of bleeds in really well. You want to take a stab at that one? Uh, yeah. Okay. So there's a bit to unwrap there, obviously. Yeah. But generally, um, it's become pretty much the norm to say, or at least for your marketing department, maybe your engineering department doesn't say it, but to say that you're powered by AI or doing AI things, whatever. Yeah. Um, a good way to suss that out really quickly is everyone, like during the pandemic, people weren't hiring all that much. So you didn't have the, the access to these things, but now people are starting to hire again. Go look at their job descriptions. Go look at the people they're hiring. Go look specifically in DevOps, infrastructure and data engineering. Uh, first of all, see if they have those jobs. That's a nice telltale <laughs> yeah, sign. That's right. That's right. And if they do, look at the stuff that they're using because they'll have to spell it out for the incumbent, for the candidate. Right. And if there's absolutely nothing that is, you know, at least big data, if not all the way through data science, machine learning, all the way through, then you could probably start to guess that they're lying. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is a ploy to you know, create more value fictitiously, whatever, snake oil, right? Yeah. Now, if, if they really are, uh, if you go and do that work and you did some due diligence and they really are like doing some really cool AI stuff, it's going to be really hard for you to know exactly what, unless they've gone to conferences. So you have to, you have to do some research and figure out if they've talked about it, what they've talked about, all these things. That's right. Um, and then realistically, if they are and you're behind the eight ball now, uh, just simply because you haven't started. Um, there's really, if you can invest, there's really no better time to start than now. It's sort of like real estate. You kind of, you know, the best time to buy a house is yesterday. That's always yeah. the rule. Yeah. So the best time to start with machine learning and, and just general data science and not getting into neural networks because yeah. that's a different beast is now, right? Uh, the strategy part, if you have a bunch of... Uh, of founders, CEOs, and board members who have never worked or been part of an AI company, they may want to get a strategist. You know, in, in Canada, it's often a, a digital transformation person yep. uh, to come in and help them be more digital, although you're probably already digital if you're thinking of going AI anyways, right? Mm -hmm. So you then have to change the paradigms within your organization so that the teams, the engineering teams, the data science teams are formed right, uh, know how to talk to each other and have the right expectations. And so that management understands how all of this works underneath them. Uh, otherwise, you'll, you'll do what a lot of people did four or five years ago. You'll just hire, you'll probably just hire a bunch of a very expensive, uh, you know, masters or PhD students or, you know, That's grads right. or whatever. 
uh, and you'll say, go do some data science. Uh, and yeah, they'll, define, they'll be like, they'll they'll be like sweet, projects. yeah, I'd love to get paid to do some data science. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. So Kid in a candy they'll, store. They'll do some data science. They'll explore your data. They, if you get the right people, they may set up some infrastructure, but without really a target to get to, what are they going to really do? So you have to be smart That's enough right. to educate yourself on what's possible and what's possible with your data. And then also how to change your organization so that it works in this new paradigm, because this is not the same production engineering paradigm. Yeah, it, no, it's true. And like where to start really is anywhere that you, <laughs> you know, there's, the thing is, is that even if your competitors are using AI or ML, it's, they might be using it on a different piece of the business too, right? I mean, you're going to get convergence on a bunch of things like, you know, bank, everyone's going towards like, you know, on like fraud, they're looking at customer service, IVR, you know, they're looking at portfolio management, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it doesn't really matter where you start. You just have to start somewhere, get some wins and then get the trust built. But, you know, always have a project. If you're not measuring, then you're always going to do great because you're not measuring. <laughs> you're just... Mm -hmm doing it off the feel right so yeah um you know you have to you've just got to one thing that's small that you know that could bring you some value right away like a good quick win but you know you only know in your organization where that would be um and if you're not savvy it's your first step really is find someone that's savvy that you trust to come in and pick some projects right and then at the strategy level you can start prioritizing and figuring out you know, where, where to, to really go. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think. And that's the know. big part that usually doesn't happen is uh, that you get to a place where the strategy isn't aligned with what your people can do or want to do. And mm -hmm. then you get like fractured organization. And we see that a lot, a lot, a lot, especially when we go into other organizations and they're like, right. do this project for us, come and save us. And it's just like, oh, well, the thing we have to save is, you guys from yourselves actually not that thing <laughs> yeah it's really not always the modeling or the the model or the infrastructure or whatever it is around data and ai it's often oh you guys are kind of broken a little bit as an organization so those fractured organizations often have management and doers or contributors who aren't aligned so we often go in there and we kind of act as glue you know uh before right. delivering everything we have to act as glue or along with delivering everything we we act as glue and try to mend sort of like the the management to doer uh dynamic that should be there but isn't always right yeah and i, I mean a lot of the time it's the it's the people who know and the people who don't know and then a lot of the time the people who don't know are the ones that are making the decisions and not in a bad way it's not like you don't know and it's a bad thing but it's just they're yeah. not you know up to speed on what's possible. So kind of getting everyone, like you said, you know, glue people, getting people all on the same page and figuring out mapping strategy to capability to execution is, you know, super important. And I think that's why you need someone, if you're, if you're not sure at the strategic level, you need to find someone who has done this before and who's a good fit for your organization. And it could be someone in your organization or you may have to hire some external people, but getting that right is probably 50% of the problems we see at least. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good one. So find someone who knows what they're doing to help advise you <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 There's always hiring questions <laughs> and then there's always kind of, and then everything else. Right. So 
Um, you know, I want to stick in the non-hiring questions first, and then we'll go into all like the hiring and other questions after. So uh, the next question is, what's the surrounding hype of AI and what's the reality? What's the surrounding hype? Oh Lord, <laughs> that's such a, a can of worms. Um, so if you listen, it's sort of like, if you listen to the people who you are loudest, uh, you're listening to fools, that's one thing, but you're, you're, <laughs> you're very often going to hear AI can solve the world's problems. AI will solve medicine, AI will right. solve quantum, it'll solve fusion energy, like it'll solve robotics, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible that it can help solve some of those issues, but it's not just going to solve them. Like it's, it's a to tool. Take, yeah, it, it's like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if you're doing landscaping before like that little turny claw thing that rips out uh, weeds came out, the tiller you had to thing, go in yeah. with, yeah, the tiller thing, you, you know, that like hand tiller. Basically you had to go in with a tiny little shovel and, you know, kind of cut around the roots and pull them out or just yank them out or whatever you were doing. Now it's a bit easier. So there's a new tool. That doesn't mean that the world doesn't have weeds, right? So it's kind of akin to AI is going to solve everything. It's just like, no, like if you know how to wield this really good tool, it can solve some of your automation problems. It can get to a place where chained together, it can solve some very difficult automation problems. And as we get more and more sophisticated, you could build systems that are learning for themselves which already some do exist, but in very narrow fields. It's right. not yet where the, like you boot up a system and it just starts learning everything like a little baby. And it does that in three days. Right. You know, like we're still generally like humans and the way that we, you know, learn and end up retaining that information. We're still a crazy, like biological, but you know, AI in a way, right? Like we are the smartest thing currently, probably I think, uh, at least on earth. And we keep trying to emulate the milestones or gates that you go through in learning so that we can teach AI to do it. So there's many angles at which we come at AI and try to get it to do the big things that we want to do it. But the big problem with AI is that in order for AI to be super effective, you have to have every variable about the entire situation. <laughs> That's and right. How do you measure the everything? Like, sure, we'd like to say IoT is the Internet of Things, and you start thinking, oh, the Internet of Things must mean that everything is digital and everything is talking to each other. Right. I know there's some things, but like, you know, the molecules in the air are not IoT. And they're very important to large systems, you know, like a That's hurricane right. could happen because of these molecules in the air. Yeah, you know, count account more for everything. Exactly. So That's you right. can't, and, and then there's just, there's even particles we haven't discovered. So we can't account for those either. So you're at a place where it's impossible to really have, uh, what is it in the matrix? Uh, the Oracle. It's impossible to have the Oracle yeah. or, or the ones from Minority Report. Minority Report. Precogs. Precogs, yeah it's impossible at this current moment in time to have those mm -hmm. exist and be like, and, and have like a board member or a C-level or executive, whatever, come to you and say, okay, can we just throw AI at it? It's like, yeah, we can, but not at every problem. And it's gotta be narrowly defined. And we have to be very specific about what the outcome's going to be. 
No, it's true. And, you know, I always say like replace the word AI with technology Mm -hmm. and then just scrutinize it as you would. So if someone was like, we've got AI that powers our business, you're like, we've got technology that powers our business. The first question I would ask is like, what's your technology and what does it do? But when people say AI, they just kind of back off and they're like, oh, okay. And then that's the end of it. They don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So like just replace the word AI with technology and then ask the same set of questions. You want to hear something super controversial? (laughs) Replace the word AI with God. It's the same (laughs) conversation. For people who truly believe and are super religious, it's just rather than saying AI will fix it, it's like put God on it. Right? And I'm not (laughs) saying they're right or wrong. I have no fucking clue about that at all. But like realistically, it's the same kind of blind faith that can often lead to into like weird places, right? That's right. Yeah, just scrutinize. When you hear the word AI, just think about um, what does that really mean, right? Like what are you actually solving with it? And that's usually the hype, right? If they can't explain it, then you know it's hype. And I mean, really, we just kind of unleashed, I always say it's like, you've always unleashed marketers on the, on the technology and then they're going to come up with all these like crazy terms. Like even AI yeah. really is... A bit of a marketing term. Yeah, it's a marketing term, right? So, I mean, think about it and just kind of come around and be critical of it. The underlying words under AI. So you have big data. That sounds like, you know, it's still kind of marketing, but at least it explains something, right? You have machine learning. That's very engineering. You have neural networks. That's kind of neuroscience and engineering put together. And then you have artificial intelligence. That's just a very descriptive word, right? So if you get that's into right. the very descriptive adverbs, adjective, kind of like fluffy words, that's probably a marketing speak rather than an engineering speak or a math speak or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, the other one is why is there a race to AI now? Is it really something companies should be chasing? Uh, again, this is something that we run into often and, you know, like, it's weird to get into conversations where people are like, we're willing to pay you to do this for you. And we then go, well, why do you need AI? And it's like, yeah, we would love to take your money, but also why do you need AI? Like, tell me. That's right. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of some work, but you know, why be irresponsible with, you know, your big Thor hammer, you know, we don't need to be. So exactly. It's not that there's specifically a race to AI. You hear that because the media is always talking about a race to AI. And I think in Canada, something like 23% of CEOs believe that AI will actually make a big difference to their bottom line. So it's not like there's really that big of a race. It's 23% of companies who are in that race, right? Right. But in the industries, basically the technocratic who are in that race, yeah, there's a bit of a race to AI now. And it's not that it's not that they should or shouldn't be chasing it. It's they should be exploring whether or not it could be a competitive advantage. That's where I'll really talk about it. And generally, if you're VC backed, there's almost an expectation now that you should be doing some level of AI. So right. because all of their friends, so like if you have VC one and I have VC. 12 my vc has probably talked to yours or somebody in their you know circle of influence and they know yeah they know of oh my company is doing ai and we got three patents in ai so then they come to me and they say by the way 
this company that's sort of like yours, they have three patents in AI and they just hired 43 PhDs. What are you guys doing? It's just like, well, we would need crazy funding for that. And they're like, glad to give you some funding and take more of your company. Let's do that. Right. That's right. So yeah, there's, there's a bit of a race to AI. It's a bit kind of like artificially pushed because of a lot of the backers of these companies who have friends who have mm -hmm. other companies that are in the world of AI. But if you look at the really large companies who can afford to do this without going for venture, uh, like if you look at Amazon, Google, like the fangs, right? If you look at them, they do AI and they yeah. do a lot of AI, but they don't only do AI. You know, there is a oh, huge sure. amount of work that's going on at all of these companies that is just straight up development, straight up old school business, partnering, yeah. finding good clients, you know, yeah, sales, all account management. Stuff. Exactly. All the stuff Big that time. really like runs businesses. It's not like AI is going to come and create revenue for you. You're still going to need all those other processes around. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a, there's not a constant, but there is a, a chase towards AI and a chase towards being AI'd, but it shouldn't be the only thing. You should still build great product or have great projects and great delivery of those projects uh, despite or along with AI. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes complete sense. And it's, I think it's just one of those things is, do you need to be chasing it? Right. Like you're, com I always look at businesses like you're competing with yourself. Like there are, you know, you have your competitors, but when you're, especially when you're new, you know, you're not going after someone to win. You're going after to like solve a problem. And then there's competitors in those space. Like if you're always copying and looking over your shoulder, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really help you. So I think that race is really like, it's an internal race. Like if you have a sound business, you know, keep doing your sound business, but you know, look to expand, but you can't, you can't just forget everything you've done and go. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. Yeah. Like Salesforce <laughs> didn't go, you know what, forget this. We have to rebuild all of Salesforce, uh, all of yeah. Salesforce. So it's AI. That's right. No, it's just like they built AI products alongside and they were like, Oh, cool. This one fits really nicely into our product. So let's use it. That's right. And like, I mean, they probably saw opportunities where to do it, but I mean, you know, going after it first. And I mean, there's going to be companies that are like, Hey, I used AI to solve this problem. And that's all I do. It's like, great. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, but there's so much more and it's not necessarily you chasing it. Right. That's just them. They found the yeah. right tool to the right problem. So yeah. Like you um, don't hear yeah. like Intuit or Oracle talking about AI every second of the day. They will when it's opportunistic, but like I use QuickBooks and I use uh, what's their tax with quick tax. Uh, yep. Well, I used to use that. I kind of don't use it all that much anymore. Our accountants do our stuff, but uh, like there's not really that much AI machine learning or anything going on there. You know, it's That's right. quite literally rules. It's rule based, you know, and they're making hand over fist kind of money. So, uh -huh. you know, you can do very well without having all this AI and automation. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So off to these, um, AI questions <laughs> or like strategy and like deeper questions to the classics. And I always think of the classics as being this next one. I'm looking to break into the world of data science. Should I be trying or should I be studying deep learning? Sounds like a hot topic. Or <laughs> should I be studying the traditional ML techniques? Uh, okay. If you're going to 
be entry level, um, like realistically, you should study and really hone in on all the traditional ML techniques. Um, it's unlikely that somebody's going to say to you at your first job or, or really like yeah, on yeah. your first, you know, placement, come and build like a new network, a new neural network for me, or change the topology of this because it's not good or whatever about a neural network. That's not often going to happen. You're often better off as a junior, you know, learning a lot of the shallow machine learning, you know, learn regression really hard, learn Y equals MX plus B. All really over. understand why you're doing it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and then when you learn that, learn some more. And then after that, learn what all of the adjunct roles around that regression are. Because in the real world, it's not Kaggle and it's not wherever bootcamp you went to or whatever. It is crappy, horrible data. Uh, there are tons of constraints around GDPR, HIPAA, IPEDA, all these other acronyms that you'll hate and will make your life a living. <laughs> Yeah, um, And you have to work around them. So get good at that stuff too. Because when you go into an interview and you want to talk to the person who might be hiring you, if you can talk through all that stuff, it shows that you're a fully formed human being or fully formed data practitioner. And you're not necessarily a modeling junkie. And That's right. a modeling junkie is not going to get hired. Nowadays, people are getting more sophisticated with this. You're much more likely to get hired as somebody who is a full stack data practitioner. Yes. Which is a term Correct. that I think we are kind of honing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's true because the thing is, is that five years ago, if you, even if you're reading articles from five years ago, it's like the five skills you need to know to be a data scientist. Fair enough. But that's five years ago, right? I mean, now people are looking for, because the field is changing so quickly, you know, people are looking for different sets of skills. Like, you see the term data science analyst around, right? So, you know, there's kind of three parts of data science that I'm seeing more now is one is like the engineering side, one is the analysis side, and then the other side is like, I would say like data engineering side, machine learning engineering side, and then the analysis side, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to pick where you want to be, right? And I would say data eng and ML eng are more senior positions. So if you're coming into the, the world, you know, know your analysis really well because people are probably going to get you to go in and analyze the data. You know, Absolutely. if you're doing more of like the analysis-y analysis type of things and that's where most of the jobs are going to be, right? Yeah. So what used to be a data analyst now will become a data science analyst. Right. Yeah. And then like, there's just tons of those people. So I think, you know, really knowing why you're doing what you're doing is so important. But then like Vic said is just learn all the adjacent stuff, like learn how the data is coming in, learn how it's being stored, right. Learn how, what the raw data looks like, and then look at the data that you've got, like what happened there. Right. And how did it get there? So really understanding the process and like going through that, um, you know, going through each one and being good at it, like topically, you know, just because you can run a regression doesn't mean, you know anything it just means you can type some code out <laughs> and then press yeah run you know in a notebook yeah. so i think that's that's super i think that's where a lot of people are skipping or skimming over right um yeah but being really good and being able to talk to someone like people don't quiz you and just being like what does this do what does that do anymore it'll be like describe how you're going to solve this problem and why and if you're just like well i'm just going to run this code and then the end 
that's it. <laughs> like interview over. Right. So yeah, you have to, you know, people want to peek in your brain and know why you're making decisions. And that's really what, um, hiring is about. Right. So it's like, are you a good decision maker? Do you know why you're doing things or are you just doing it just to, just to say you can right. Um, I think the other thing is last one or two, um, when do you think the data science hiring blitz will end? I like that one. Um, I would assume that this is going to turn from data science to we're then going to go through a period of, okay, well, you know, computer scientists and uh, regular developers now have to be data informed. So it'll mm-hmm. shift from data scientists to like a new version of what full stack developer is or full stack analyst yeah. or something like that. So they become more MLE ish. I think so. Uh, and you'll probably end up with into the future, like every role is so, sort of like data informed and it's mm-hmm. not necessary to hire just data scientists. Like as, as you went through different, um, different views or different versions of uh, web development or app development, you know, mm-hmm. it was started very specialized and eventually you got more and more, uh, I guess, commodity level development and commodity level app development yep. to the point where now uh, you can often get like really good people who have just bootcamp experience for web development or just bootcamp experience for mobile app development. Right. We're not there yet for data science or machine learning. Right. Um, but it's very possible that other than like the really hardcore software engineering where you're doing like heavy, heavy lifting and creating new paradigms or whatever, yep. most of it will just be templated and easier to, to work with. And there will be an expectation that those developers will be, will be sort of the version of machine learning engineers that we have now. They'll have to have that skill. Right. Uh, and they'll have like at least top, skills. at least topically, right? Like yeah, when you get harder, these guys can play in different fields, but when they get a bit, when it gets a bit more detailed or nuanced, that's when the MLE comes in. Exactly. Like you're taking yeah. away, like, you know, before back in the day, it was like only DBAs ran SQL queries. Yeah. Now it's like the analysts are running SQL query. Cause they're like, yo DBA, go actually administer the database or exactly. go, like build stuff versus send me a query. So like, I guess the, you're, hunting off some of like that low end work, right? Like just connecting things. You don't need an MLE really to do that anymore. Like software engineers can do that stuff, right? Exactly. Yep. Interesting. And then that kind of leads into the next question, which will be our last one it is with so many libraries and packages available today, do you think we'll be seeing a reduction in the number of data science jobs due to higher automation? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, just simple. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was an early point that I made where it was like 23% of, uh, of Canadian CEOs, blah, 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 about uh, AI, basically yeah. believe that AI is a game changer. Yeah. Um, sure. The U S is going to have a higher number. Maybe it's 35, 40% or whatever, but that yeah. means there's still a large majority of organizations and companies, um, who could have a use case for AI that don't currently. So we're still like, we're not, no longer in the very early adopter stage, but we're still at the the start of the upward slope. So we'll get, I think people will just get more sophisticated and know how to hire better into the future. So 
it'll be harder for you to fake the fact that you're a good data scientist into the future because more people will be informed. But yeah, there will be a lot of data science and data practitioner and AI and ML jobs. And I would opine that into the future, that's going to be table stakes in the same way that, uh, you know, having a, a college or university degree has become table stakes. Like you have to have right. that in order to get a job at most places now, right? So it will, it'll get maybe in a decade or so, uh, it'll get to that place where unless you are a developer who also knows AI or an economist who also knows AI or mm -hmm. a life sciences person who also knows AI, you're going to have a tough time finding a job. That's right. Like I would say, you know, with AI just, or like data science packages or whatever, just replace it with the word spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like a lot of the time, the thing is, is that, you know, it's like an economist knowing how to use a spreadsheet or like, you know, uh, anyone really knowing how to use a spreadsheet. You have to know at least how to use some of it. And that might just be in the thinking, right? Like, Hey, look, I could use a spreadsheet to solve this problem. You know that it's in the toolbox and you kind of conceptually know what it's capable of. Right. And then mm -hmm. maybe you go in and, you know, future tools, I think there'll be more drag and drop. I think like people are already moving in that direction where it's like drag and drop, um, data science, like auto ML and all that stuff. Like Azure had the machine learning studio. Now it's, I think it's called auto ML, but yeah, I think it is. Yeah. You know, it's, you still need to know the math and stuff behind it, but you know, that's not, that's not super hard, but I think, you know, go back to spreadsheets. It's not like every accountant lost their job and there was accountants <laughs> sitting on the street begging for money when spreadsheets came out. Right. So I think it's just, people are going to get more productive. You're going to take a lot of the, um, kind of tedious work out of it right like tools right now are helping people with data wrangling and you know etl and all that stuff like the transformations and data hygiene because it just takes so much time right so if like you could get all that time back what could you do with it you could probably do better analysis you could probably like you know think up of new ways to tackle problems but you're spending your time as an operator right like really kind of going through the grind mm -hmm. so if but you know the caveat is um that you don't actually learn the fundamentals to use those tools. Like my uncle, he's, um, you met him. He's a, like a 70 year old civil engineer. Yep. He draws by hand. He refuses to use CAD. Right. And a lot of people are like, what the heck? This guy's like old school. Like, you know, they don't, he, he doesn't want to embrace new technology. And he's like, the reason I don't embrace it is because a lot of people just cut and paste in CAD. And he's like, you can't do that. Like you have to build a lot of the things from scratch because you can't just cut and paste like a roof onto another building because yeah. it, you know, it's fundamentally different, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you just scale things up and down, like cut and paste. So, you know, and he's like, the reason I don't like it too is because um, I can whip together something really fast because I know how to think through the problem and just like blast through first principles and just like get to where I need to go. And he's like, a lot of these kids, what they do is they just cut and paste it and they send it to the shop and the shop's like, uh, this is actually impossible to make. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And he'll send them like, you know, a crafted, like beautiful, like sketched out thing. And then the drafts people are like, okay, I know exactly why everything is there and the reasoning behind it, because I know you thought through it and then they can just go make it right and fabricate. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people with these kind of tools, you know, and you see this in developers now and stuff too. It's like, you have these front end people who go to boot camps and stuff and it's great, but when they're done, they're just like, they still don't really know what they're doing. They just kind of know how to use the tool. So yes. I feel like that that's going to start happening right now. I think people are very 
woke and conscious about it because the people who are actually practitioners used to be, you know, PhDs or people who've taken math courses and really understand it. But now you're going to have a new group of people doing this and they don't really know what they're doing. And they're just like, Oh, I just, you know, got these two numbers or these two date, one data set and then click the train test split button and then click regression. And then it just came out and you're like, what? (laughs) Nobody knows. So I think, you know, that that's going to inevitably happen. So hopefully we can slow that down and like teach people why, but you know, there's going to just be, there's always going to be those groups of people. Right. So I think um, the jobs are going to be, I don't think there's going to be less, there's going to be more and there's going to be more supporting that. And like other jobs may be supplanted because of it, but the field is only going to grow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks guys for listening and thanks guys for keep those questions coming. We'll, we store them in the bank and we'll, uh, we'll always kind of set some time aside to answer. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, make sure ask us anything. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you very much. All right. Bye Have guys. Good week.